Hier een zetsel word aan jou gebring die Radio Kaapse Kansel op 729 AM. Bezoek ons gerust by www.kaapsekansel.co.za Into me see a place where we learn about deep connection with yourself, those close to you and, and with God. In our program we deal with reality, restoration and redemption in the face of addiction. We uncover intimacy as seeing into me and the role it plays in healthy, authentic and thriving relationships. Yeah, in our 38 years of marriage, our understanding of intimacy has grown incredibly. I am Frederick Woolz. And I'm Suki Woolz. Even after all those years of growing in intimacy, we still have our challenges. Mm-hmm. In our roles as licensed counsellors, we continue to learn about the crucial role of intimacy and relationships. Yes, and with the rapid development of technology, there are so many distractions such as our phones, uh, the internet and gaming that lure us into a virtual world, away from face-to-face intimate connections in the here and now. And that in turn impacts our intimacy with others, with God and ourselves. Because of these distractions, many people fall into the trap of process and substance addiction as a substitute for intimate relationships with God, others and themselves. Yes, so please join us as on our journey we travel into greater intimacy and connection, especially with those closest to us. Last week we spoke to Gert about how his addiction to alcohol and drugs impacted his intimacy with himself and God. As with so many other stories, his story did not end in darkness either. By God's grace, there's recovery and restoration of the intimacy God designed for us as very broken human people. Welcome back with us, Gert. Thank you very much, Siti. Hi, Frederick. Hi, good to be with you again, Gert. Dear friends, I just want to remind you as you listen, if you have missed the previous program, very welcome to go on Cape Pulpit and to Into Me See and to get it on a podcast. And then you'll get more background about Gert. Some of it will come out, but he had already told his story of addiction. And this time we're going to talk about his restoration journey. Yo, Suki, I'm so, so grateful for that restoration journey. And, uh, you know, the Lord tells us and he promises us in Philippians 1.6 that the good work he has started in you, he will bring to completion. And uh, that work has been started in me, in you, and in Gert, and many, many, many others. Amen. So, from your share last week, uh, it was clear how God pursued you into for an intimate relationship. Gert, you had been in recovery for quite a while and still experiences some some setbacks. Um, what brought uh, you to the point and to the place in your journey that you really started seriously on a restoration and healing journey? Thank you, Frederick. Yes. Uh, well, this happened way back in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, I Before that, I also had a 
let's call it an effort, a personal effort into recovery. Four mm. years before that, 2002, mm. I went into recovery in the 12-step program and I did it with an academical approach mm. and self-knowledge, I'm going to figure this thing out. And um, that lasted about seven months, sure. uh, which mm. led to a relapse. And uh, that was a terrible seven months because then I didn't have my solution and my comfort. Mm -hmm. I, I was without that. Plus, I was removed from a nurturing relationship with God. So it was, um, and excuse the word, but some people refer to it as a dry drunk or mm -hmm. dry user. Mm -hmm. You are just removed from the one thing that makes your shoulders drop and go, oh, I feel better now. Mm. Um, so in 2006, so, so this four years led up to a point where every single relationship was now uh, fraught with uh, with guilt and shame, and they mm. were all broken. Mm. Uh, there was either conflict or just uh, I tried to I started uh, isolating, um, not really con not really answering the phone that much. Um, so relationships were not looking good, mm. and uh, I became very alone. And this was self-imposed. I mean, I see in recovery that most of my problems are self-imposed mm. decisions that I have made. And um, it got to a point where I woke up on the 9th of August, 2006, and I've had enough. I mm. was broken. I was broken um, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. I looked in the mirror and flinched away mm. because I, I did not recognize the man in the mirror anymore. So how could I look you in the eye or, or speak to God? So I'd, the difference that day was I think that I said this prayer many times, something like, please help me. I won't do this again. I'll do anything. But that I'll mm -hmm. do anything this time was really everything. In the past, I would hold something back. I would say that prayer, but I would hold to the tiniest little thing, maybe a relationship with uh, a, a worker, maybe my idea about money, whatever. The, what, the thing that I held back caused two things. It either became my new God, but I think it also tied God's hands behind his back. Mm. But that day, I received what we, we refer to as the gift of desperation, mm. G-O-D. I was so desperate. And thank God that I did get to a rock bottom where there was no more negotiations left. There was no more, yes, but what about this or that? So thank God that that day I said, God, yeah, is everything. And the moment I put down everything on the table, I still remember today that um, this was about four years after my earthly father passed away. Mm. And it felt like my earthly father stood behind me with his hands on each hand on every shoulder. Mm. And three words went right through my being. And it said that there's no forbade. It mm. is over now. Mm. I now know that it was the Holy Spirit. And I knew in my being that, yes, I have to now get through the withdrawal of these uh, very addictive drugs that I was using and the alcohol. But if you know that you're going to win, there's peace in the victory. There's peace in the in the struggle. It, it's not it's not even a struggle. It's just you go and you do it, and you know you're going to succeed. Mm. Then there's peace. There's no performance. You're, I was already healed in that moment. I mm. was healed. Mm. Wow. It was a massive spiritual experience for me. They describe different ones in the recovery program that I was in. The, the other one is called the educational variety, mm. which which happens over a period of time, and that's fine. The one is not better than the other. Even the educational variety comes to a point where you suddenly realize that God is doing for you 
what you could not do for yourself. Mm. So it's also sudden. So as I listen to you, I can hear there are different kinds of rock bottom. You said the one uh, you described as very spiritual, what happened to you. It so sounds like God rescuing you from above, just coming in and doing something. And uh, you also told us about the educational uh, part of rock bottom. Is there any other kind of rock bottom? I think so often people think they are rock bottom, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you say, it's that G-O-D, that gift of desperation that actually helps you because that sets your real recovery in motion. What can a person do to get to that? Is there anything a person can do? Wow, that is the the golden question because <laughs> quite often um, they, they are they are high bottom uh, call it a high bottom rock bottom and low ones. You know, you some people end up in the gutter and some people are just being told by the sister get out of here and and, and don't come back before you mm. become less selfish and become more loving. Um, so there are different rock bottoms. I do not know if I could have done anything. To, to to hasten it or to come to that point quicker. I, I don't know about that. Mm. All I know is that the biggest convincer or the greatest um, instrument of getting you to that point is the actual problem. So I'm not saying go use more. I'm saying turn to God. Let him show you the alternative. Let him show you how he sees you. Because once I am removed from alcohol and drugs for a couple of days, the light, that little light comes through again. It's there. I, I think God is, has been deep down inside all the time. Mm. It's just that I've now turned to him when I became this desperate. Mm. There was victory, immediate victory and peace, immediate. And um, there are different rock bottoms, yes. Um, I just think that one needs to get your answers from God mm. instead of saying, because we see people in recovery that are successful, happy businessmen, uh, well-balanced. And we also see people that are still living off the street that believe nobody can help them and mm. love them. Mm. They, are, they have different rock bottoms. <clears throat> I think the question that Suki is trying to ask is the different spiritual experiences or turning points. Mm. And there's the sudden mm. variety, and then there's the educational variety mm. that we refer to as something that happens over a period of time. For example, the newcomer sits in a meeting, uh, a recovery meeting, and he's got a problem with getting connected with God. <clears throat> By now, his eyes are shining, but he's still complaining. The old-timers can see that he's having a spiritual experience, but he's not. he doesn't realize it yet. Until the old-timer says to him, tell me what's happened in the past six months. And he starts naming a couple of things, like I've got a job, my relationships with people around me are healing, I can look at myself in the mirror, I feel peace when I wake up. And then he gets a realization, hang on, for 20 years I couldn't do this. Mm. In the last six months, all of these things are for... Then the educational variety becomes a sudden experience mm. where he realizes, thank you, God, you have always been here and you've healed me. I'm sorry that I only realized it now, but from now on I'm following you 100%. Mm. Wow. So it seems to me there needs to be a rock bottom, uh, a point of crisis. And uh, I mean, that's the same thing for many, many, many people. That is why we've used the term, the gift of desperation. And as you were sharing your story and your experience, I heard that isolation kept you from 
getting to that point. Um, and that is often what our struggle is in isolation. That is where our thoughts start going wild and uh, getting fantasies. And we go into uh, these places of um, away from community, away from relationship, away from yeah. intimacy. And um, so it, it seems to be our rock bottom is when we see the reality that is in our life now so that we can start walking a journey of restoration and a recovery so that we can eventually experience the redemption uh, in our lives. So um, mm. maybe I've got something to ask there. What steps did you put in place from there on? What I'm sorry, I didn't what get that. What steps did you put in oh, place after that? Okay, so yeah, I heard what Frederick just said, and you know, we're talking about the way I understand addiction is a it's a disease of the body, a disease of the mind, and a disease of the spirit. And if I'm only going to address one of those three things, I'm not going to have a balanced recovery. Mm. I'm not going to be in tune with God, with myself, and my fellow human beings. The mm. whole point for me is to become useful and to become a contributing member of society to become clean and sober, but be happy inside of that. Mm. I see many people in recovery that hasn't used for a couple of years, but they look miserable. Mm. Mm. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, the things to, to put into place would be the, the steps, as, as Suki is asking now. Um, I follow a 12-step program. And um, the first three steps, the first step is about me admitting that I'm powerless and that my life should become unmanageable. Mm. It might, for somebody that's not an addict, it might just be some part of his life mm. or her life that is that, that person is in, uh, uh, powerless over. For example, codependency that Frederick referred to earlier. I'm powerless over my codependency on my husband, and this has made my life unmanageable. This qualifies that person to do the rest of the 12 steps. Now, step two talks about I came to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. Mm. So it doesn't mean I know who God is. It just means I'm willing and and uh, open and honest, and I'm going to try this. Mm. Um, and okay. step three said made a decision. Now, I misread step three. Step three, for many years, I thought step three read, I, I'm handing over my will and my life to God, but it doesn't say that. It says I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to God. And people tongue in cheek tell this thing about there's three frogs in the log and to decide to jump off. How many is left on the log? There's three left <laughs> because they haven't taken any action. They've made mm. a decision. That's what we do in step three. And then Gert, we go uh, through. I'm not going to run through all of thank them. You, thank you, Gert. Uh, um, let's continue with this one. It's very, very important just after our break. Thank you very much, yes. and we see you just now. Okay. Mm, thank you for being with us again. Uh, thank you, Gert, for sharing what you had put into place so that you can move forward uh, away from your addiction. And one of the things I was hearing is you were mentioning quite a bit to the 12 steps. Um, just very briefly tell us uh, of your experiences, which of those 12 steps was more challenging for you? Thank you, Frederick. Um, yeah, I um, cannot speak for uh, the fellowship itself, but the 12-step program, as you know, has been used by many, many different, mm. uh, either substance-related or behavioral addictions. Mm, yes. And um, the difficult, I suppose, the, you know, we stopped on the third step, um, and I think the one thing that became clear is that I came to a point, and I think many people, where they realized 
I'm, I've now come to a point where I'm beyond human aid. Mm. In other words, mm. Mm. the doctor, the counselor, mm. the, and this comes from a counselor, the preacher, whatever. This, this is spiritual. This is only God can help me here. Mm. And, um, and step four addresses that where I had to look at my number. The first thing I had to look at resentments. And uh, a resentment is an old anger. It's old anger. The moment I think of that person, I have got no control of this negative emotion that I feel in the pit of my stomach. Mm. And I had to realize that I was not responsible for the event, but I'm responsible for the resentment. Mm. I'm responsible for staying angry. And I had to address that. And because um, the, the, in recovery, they say that resentment is the number one offender. It kills more addicts than anything else. Mm. It doesn't say that alcohol and drugs kill them. It says resentment kills them because mm. we use and, and drink up upon the resentment. So I had to get rid of that. The second mm. thing was fear. I had to look at my fears, fear of failure, fear of success, fear of we, we, our existence is shot through as fear of mine was in, mm. in recovery. And then step four addresses uh, shame and guilt. I need to look at people I've harmed. Mm. And I need to, the steps that were really difficult was uh, step nine. Step nine for me was took me a long time because step nine, <clears throat> between what I've just said now, follows five, six, and seven, and that is where you go sit in front of, you invite God, you go sit in front of another person, and you tell the, you speak out for the first time in your life all the secrets and shames that you've been holding on to. Mm. And I've seen people become free in front of me in a mm. matter of seconds. It mm. takes sometimes mm. hours, but there's quite, usually there's a, break, a point of breakthrough. Mm. And then six and seven are simply two prayers. I think... Um, where you just, uh, I think people sometimes take their time or the 12 steps and that leads to relapse. But anyway, in eight, you, you draw up a list of people you've harmed and in step, step nine, you come, become ready to make amends to them all. Mm. Meaning, you either directly or indirectly make an appointment with such a person and uh, find out if they will allow you to sit down and talk to them about your past, that you believe you've harmed them, and you want to sit down in front of them and, and balance the books, so to speak. And, um, and if you can't, you probably write to them, right? Um, if it, they're not close by. There's where people have passed away, people on other continents or people that you can't reach. One of my most powerful amends was to my father who has passed away. It took me a very, very long time to make this amend. But when I sat down and I wrote a letter to my father in the presence of God, and I then went and I read it to a, a person of trust, a spiritual father, there mm. was complete restoration also mm. in a moment um, where it changed me as a man. I believe there's two kinds of men in this world, those who've, who've um, made things right with their father and those who still haven't. Mm. That it, it, that something clicks into place the day that you're okay with everybody around you and you don't have to cross the street for anybody. You can look the world in the eye. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so what I'm hearing, Gert, it is a process um, for ourselves to go past our resentments and then to approach others and make amends. And I think the common denominator or the common factor between these two is forgiveness. And we Absolutely. know forgiveness is not an easy thing. Um, and sometimes we have really got misunderstandings because I remember in um, during my act of addiction, I would ask for forgiveness but that was just so that I f could feel better about my own wrongdoings and, um, yeah. and not really 
be forgiven and, and, and repent and turn away. So what role do you think forgiveness plays and how can this work out in, in, in the steps? I really identify with that, Frederick. I resonate with the fact that way back in using time, if I said to you, I'm sorry, it was really just to fix this thing quickly so that we can move on. It mm-hmm. was a selfish mm-hmm. act. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why in step nine, it it, it goes beyond that. Um, the words must must come over my lips and it must say, I believe I was wrong. I believe I'm wrong when I did this and that. Mm. Uh, what can I do to make it right? What else did mm. I do that you can tell me about? What can I do to make this right? These are the things, this is the kind of conversation we look at in step nine. And it's incredible how God leads me to the right people. Mm. Believe it or not, I've got one or two left, and I'm actually in the process of finalizing the last couple. Because mm. in the middle of recovery, I became complacent, and I stopped doing the program. Mm. Um and it, it didn't lead me to immediately want to drink or use, but it, I became, I started acting as if I were. Mm. I, I started acting a little bit uh, irritated easily, a little bit fearful, mm. quick to anger. And fortunately, I've got people around me that said to me, you, you haven't seen you in the meetings. When last have you worked with another alcoholic or with another addict? Because for me, that's where the answer lies, is to become of service and to sit down Mm. At, at, at a table in front of another person with this problem and mm. to share with that person what was freely given to me mm. so that that person can go and do the same thing. And this torch gets passed around and more of us could step into the light. Mm. Wow, that sounds like you're talking now about step ten, steps 10 to 12, right? The last part of it. But before we continue on that, in, on that thread... I, I, um, something struck me. You said there are two kinds of people. The one kind is those who made right with their fathers and the others not, if I, could, if I heard you correctly. Just tell us a bit more about that. It's just something, I, I'm speaking from my experience, and I, I'm, I'm not, I didn't read this anywhere, but I just know that my core changed the day that I wrote a letter to my father that's passed away 17 years ago already. Um, and I was willing to tell him how much I love him, how sorry I am for what I've done and where I am now in my life, mm. and then to go and to, to pray and to do it with somebody else. The, one of the recovery books that I read says, if we want to be free and happy in this life, we have to be completely honest with mm. at least one person in our life. So for, I became a new person that day, again, mm. Just as I did the day when when I, I handed everything over, and I think the whole point is to have a lot of new spiritual experiences all the time. I cannot sit here and tell you about the day that I asked God on the ninth of August two thousand and six, and I had this massive spiritual experience. I cannot uh, survive on that. That's old spiritual food. I need to feed daily, and I need to have new experiences, mm-hmm. and I can only have it. By, um, by carrying the message. Mm. So I do believe, to, sorry, it's a long-winded answer, mm-hmm. but I think the two people, I was a different person before I did this, mm. before I made right with my father. Mm. I felt just a little bit not completely um, comfortable as to who I was. I still looked in the mirror and felt a bit guilty mm. because he's mm. passed away. And yes, I told him I loved him before he left many times, but there was a lot of things that were not that we didn't clear up, that we didn't say to each other. 
And having written this letter, I've literally feel like I've had a conversation with him. It's mm. not just a, mm. something written on paper that I just said to a stranger. Mm. Mm. And it's done now. Gert, yeah. mm. um, it's so important what you're saying because you said you had to get right and you had to be honest with your own father. And to me, I really see a link there between, because in other programs we spoke about the relationship with our Heavenly Father and how that is affected by our vision or our perspective, um, uh, perspective what do you call mm-hmm. it, perception, that's the right word, of our earthly Father. And it just yes. seems like as you did this, um, as you made your amends and your, even though your, your physical, your earthly Father wasn't alive anymore, but because it was right in your heart, it almost, am I right if I say it almost like build a bridge for you to 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 get right with your heavenly father you just put your finger right on it um that's absolutely what happened there is that once we said it right um and you've and you've done it with everybody is that that you call it a bridge um yes that now you can fully experience the love of your heavenly father mm. so that really brings uh, even amends into that relationship and uh, Obviously, this is not an easy process. And uh, what helped me immensely was saying the serenity prayer. God, help me to change the things I'm able to change. Give me the wisdom to accept the things I cannot change and the courage uh, or the wisdom to know the difference. Um, How often do you say this prayer? Frederick, that prayer has brought me through many tough spots uh, where I literally in, in a, situa- a difficult situation, maybe I'm not just talking about um, in addiction, but in my life today, mm. um, you, I, I can apply this prayer and it brings peace. It reminds me how much I have to be grateful for. Mm. And that it also reminds me to get out of God's way. Quite often I'm trying to force my will in there and trying to get people to, to, to act according to how I would want them to mm. act. And only if they did that, then I'll be happy. Mm. It's not true, you know. I mean, so this prayer helps me continuously day, every day, every mm. day. Mm. Yeah. It's a wonderful prayer to stay connected with God. Gerd, it seems like we can continue to talk for a long time and we will have a lot more to say. So I think we need to invite <laughs> you back to the studio another time. But I thank you that. so much. We... We had a great time learning from you and listening to you. And I'm sure that our friends, the listeners, will be able to take some kernels of truth and apply it to their own lives. And sometimes it's just good to listen to another person's recovery journey. We all have such unique journeys of restoration. So it's been such a privilege to learn from you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gert. And uh, listeners, please remember, send your comments, questions, remarks to Frederick. Suki at capepulpit.co.za. Bye, Gert. Bye, everybody. Thank you very much, uh, Suki. Thank you, Frederick. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to Frederick Suki at capepulpit.co.za. Frederick Suki, one word, F R E D E R I K S O E K I E at capepulpit.co.za. Let's connect next week. Mm-hmm. 
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.